Hi there, Neil here. Obviously, you love to travel. That's why you're listening to this podcast. Circa, our app available right now from the App Store on iOS, is filled with podcasts and guides for travelers. But more than that, it has a feature that we're calling the Circa Concierge, where you can have any question about any place you're traveling answered by real people on the ground. We're giving you a friend to ask anywhere in the world. And hey, if you've got questions about Barcelona, you might even get me. Because I love to help people discover my city. And if you're the same way for the city where you live, then we want you to become part of the Circa Concierge too. Right now, we're searching for concierges in Barcelona, Rome, London, Paris, Madrid, Venice, and New York City. Don't see your city listed? That's okay. We'll be rolling out new cities throughout the year, and yours might just be next. If you love where you live and love to help travelers, sign up now to be a Circa Concierge. Help out our users and earn tips for the knowledge you have about your own city or country. Head over to circatravel.com forward slash concierge and sign up today. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. In Arizona at the Grand Canyon. With my girlfriend at the time. Was, Sounds super romantic. It was sunset. Yeah. And I turned to my girlfriend and I was like, just so this doesn't get any more uncomfortable, <laughs> um, I'm not, not going to propose. propose to you. <laughs> oh, Neil, that's amazing. You did the anti proposal. I told her, so, is it okay if we never get married? Is it okay if yeah. we uh, just watch sunset? <laughs> oh, man. A destination isn't always a place. Sometimes it's a new way of seeing things. I'm Neil Linnis. And I'm Andres Bartos. From Frequency Machine, this is Passport. Your ticket to everywhere. We live in a world filled with questions about other places, cities, cultures, and people. It's kind of why we make this show. We thought we'd try out something we're calling A Tale of Two Cities. Today on Passport, Andres and myself will take one listener's question about travel in one city and see if we can work out the best possible answer. Or two of the best possible answers. The catch is that neither of us will know what the other is working on. After, we'll call the guest and let them decide who has answered their question best. Simple. Well, on paper. So we got an email from Monica in Los Angeles, California, with a question about Paris. A proposal, jazz, art, 
and wine. How are you doing, Monica? I'm good. How are you? Tell us about this plan of yours, Monica. Okay. If that really is your name. <laughs> that is, in fact, your name. So my boyfriend and I have been together for a very, very long time. We just have never really been, neither of us has been that interested in getting married. I thought you I thought you were going to say in each other. Just <laughs> in each other. <laughs> We've never really been that interested in each other, but you know. So then did something change recently or what? Really for me, it was just like the state of the world. And we now have a daughter together who's three. And I just want them to be protected in case anything happened to me. I want our daughter to be protected in case anything happened to us. And, and the easiest way for that to be recognized, for our relationship to be recognized is to get married. There's there's a leap from there because you could very easily just say, uh, why don't we just set a date, go to the courthouse and be done with it. But you've still got, you've got a little little romantic glimmer left, left in the, in the yes, relationship. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Neither of us have been to Paris before. We've both always wanted to go. Um, he is a huge jazz person. So Paris... Ah. Me and Andres just looked at each other uh. sideways there for a second. This yeah. is going well, yes, to get intense. So our, our daughter's name is Parker, and she is named oh, after Charlie Parker, who is out. his favorite jazz musician. <laughs> oh, I like you guys very much right now. Do you, That's excellent. Do you call her Bird sometimes? We do. That yes. was actually discussed. <laughs> so, yeah. So on top of that, his father was an art professor, so he knows so much about art it's so like Par yeah so paris just kind of calls to us as this like fun romantic place to go <laughs> and i am very i guess mischievous because he doesn't necessarily like surprises oh, <laughs> and man. this will be a surprise this can be this can be very dangerous <laughs> you gotta live on the edge a little absolutely and i think it makes it more imperative to do it right. Correct. Yeah, because I don't want I don't want to go through all this and then have him say, you know, we could have just gone to the court. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we we met someone who was a singer in a cabaret in Paris, and that somehow he let me know that that's a dream of his is to be a cabaret singer and. <laughs> Wait, your husband want well, your soon to be husband if we do this properly. Um, right. he wanted right. he wanted no <laughs> he wanted to be a cabaret singer. He's a jazz guy and he doesn't just play saxophone and pretty much any other instrument. He's also a singer. Come so, but on. he li he li literally can play anything. He's got a flute, he's got a clarinet, he's really good on the drums, like it's ridiculous. Right. <laughs> you should definitely marry this guy. <laughs> right? I have to put a ring on it apparently. <laughs> what about you? What about what about Monica's likes? What do you what do you love? Oh, well, now I have to say I'm a pretty big jazz fan. Okay. <laughs> After being exposed to it for so many years. I have I have no idea what Andres is thinking right now. That's good because that's what I'm trying to <laughs> emote. He's got his poker face on. I got my po 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 poker face on. Um, here's, here's a question. So as a man myself who doesn't necessarily like surprises, what are the things that he would just hate? So I think, you know... <laughs> If I did, like, get down on one knee in front of the Eiffel Tower, he would be like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, <that's> <laughs> Something <You're> very <laughs> traditional, I think he'd be like, okay, oh, my God. Like, who got to you? <laughs> um, 
This is weird. I feel like a wedding planner. I know. I'm getting like itchy <laughs> on the back of my neck. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to know at all the pod that each other is making. Wonderful. Okay. So we're going to yeah, present we're... them to you and then you're going to shame one of us. Ooh. Ouch. Okay. <laughs> you're going to have to choose. <laughs> I didn't realize what I was signing up for. <laughs> <laughs> I really, I'm looking forward to hearing what you guys have. It's going to be really fun. Um, and I guess at this point we have to sort of swear to secrecy between each other. Yeah. It's going to be hard. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be very, very hard. I know. Because we live in this box together. <laughs> <laughs> this will be wonderful. <laughs> All right. Okay. Good. Thanks so much. Goodbye. Thanks. Bye. Talk soon. So, Andres and I are going to plan the perfect trip for Monica to propose to her boyfriend in Paris. And then we're going to present both of our ideas to her and see which one she thinks is the ideal engagement story. So, this is happening. Yeah. She's lovely. She's lovely. We got we to gotta be careful because we're going to end up just coming up with the exact same thing. I know. So maybe what we should do is, I mean, do we take, because there's what, there's 18 neighborhoods in Paris? I'm going to say yes. Should we split them? Ooh. Oh, wait. I totally gave her the wrong day. After we hung up with Monica and organized a time to call her with our stories, I realized something bad. I totally gave her the wrong day. Oh, no. It's the 14th of July. Ah! Oh my God. Why I think Neil I... is having a heart attack. <laughs> He's clutching his chest. I didn't read the spreadsheet correctly. <laughs> oh God. Thankfully, we're planning a proposal. <laughs> oh man. Oh man. Okay. Okay. Well, um, I guess we should get to work. Skippity beep bop and bop no. Um, okay. We thought we each had four weeks to make our story, but no. It was, in fact, in eight days' time. We panicked a little bit. I got nothing. Paris is not getting... Back to me, this is, uh... <laughs> I know you're messing with me, by the way. <laughs> nah, I got someone. <laughs> oh, dude. So, I'll be at the office at about 20. I just have to do my call with the medium to get in contact with Miles Davis's ghost. Um, I hope you're doing well with Paris, man. Hey, man. That's uh, 3.44 in the morning. I'm nearly there. Oh, shit! Ah, f- coffee. <laughs> I bet you want to know what's happening in the South. There's a lot of things happening in the South, Neil. Lying on the floor of the studio. I just finished. I think I've got like, what, half hour before we have to do this call? <laughs> I just exported. I think it's ready. I don't know. Um, I'll see you in a bit, man. Oh my God, I'm going to get run over. Me and Andres had somehow managed to keep our secret for eight days and make it to the deadline. Just. So it's time. We're going to call Monica and show her our stories. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) 
I'm so excited. I had a I had a little bit of a hard time sleeping last night because I was like, this is going to be so great. I can't wait. I had a hard time sleeping last night. Too. <laughs> <laughs> I know nothing about what Neil's done. We've been torturing each other, leaving each other confusing audio messages. <laughs> Trying to psych each other out. Like, oh, man, I've got no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> I learned a lot about jazz and wine and food and... A lot of things that I wish I'd known about the last few times I've been in Paris. Right. Yeah. This will be hilarious if you're at the end, you're like, and, and now I have tickets booked. <laughs> I'm going back. The, yeah. The people who come out of the bushes to play for you while you're proposing will just be me and Andres with like <laughs> fake mustaches on. Accordions, baguettes under our arms. Oh my God. It's good. It's It's part of the process. You figure it out as you go. And I don't know if we figured right. it out, but. Well, this is that we're gonna we're gonna find out. <laughs> well, I think I think what we have to do is we're gonna flip a coin. Okay. I have a coin in my pocket. I have a real. This I use it specifically for this purpose. Oh my goodness! Yeah. You just got a little wow. bit more French. Heads or tails? Okay. Heads. <laughs> Damn. I've already <laughs> lost. Do <laughs> Dre? Uh, do you want to intro it a little, with something? I am not good at following instructions. So, uh, have fun. <laughs> okay. <laughs> After we hung up with Monica and we realized we had one week, really, to produce this episode, in which I've been tasked with finding a way for someone to propose in a city that I've never been to, I felt like a complete fraud. I mean, you can Google Street View your way around the city, as I've done, which is beautiful. But what does the city feel like? I mean, how can you plan something if you don't know what it's like to walk those streets? Quickly, it became clear that there was no way I could do this myself. So the first person I thought of talking to was Guillaume, former lead singer of the band Shine. He's currently frontman to a new project called Indolore. I mean, when I think of Paris, I think of Guillaume. The thing is, I didn't realize how perfect he was for this chat. He started with a confession. We're talking about Charlie Parker. Charlie Parker, in a very modest way, changed my life. I had to buy a, a, a gift from my father. So I said, what well, can I get? It? A book? Oh, jazz, jazz, old. I, no, I remember the, the name, actually, of the tape. It's called Memorial Charlie Parker. It's white, white, white sleeve and a, and, a, and a bird on it. My mum was was driving me, so I get I go back to the to the car and I put the tape in the in the, in the tape player, and then I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I mean, it was like it blew my mind. Ten first seconds, this is what I got to do. This is how I want to express myself through music. So, to my surprise, turns out Guillaume arrived in Paris as a young tenor sax player inspired by Charlie Parker and looking to make his way in the jazz scene there. It became crystal clear that I wasn't going to get a top 10 list from him. If there's somebody that I would want to talk about love and Paris with, it would be you. Oh God, how much time do you have? <laughs> is, yeah. is Paris the city of love? It's a, par it's a city of hate and love. If you think that Paris is a city of love, you missed it. Here we hate the city, we hate each other, and we love each other, and we love the city. It's all—it's an all package. When you 
moved to Paris at the age of, let's, let's say, 20, you never become a full Parisian. You're like um, a, a dreamer. You remain a dreamer. And when you dream, sometimes you wake up and you dream again. You know, having expectation coming to Paris, high expectation in terms of beauty and love, you have to know that it may happen or it may not happen. And if it doesn't happen, that's good too. Okay, of course, you have to see the Eiffel Tower, but you don't have to go to the Eiffel Tower. You can see it from somewhere where you experience something. The landscape is still around you. And memories is like, it's, it's about letting yourself go and letting your every, everything you have in mind or you had expect your expectation go. It's the moment when we forget that we have a phone. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a criteria of a good time. I have an advice, if I may. Please. Good, never sit at the table. Always the counter. Just go to the counter direct, directly, just sit there because every, there's always something happening there. With this kind of very specific and very French piece of advice, always sit at the counter or the bar, depending on the place, Guillaume was trying to tell me something about those intangible moments in Paris. Paris still has this feeling, this feeling of magic. It could be shit or magic. <laughs> it could be, I mean, this could be a good definition of Paris. Shit or magic. Shit or magic. Sometimes both. Are you, are you right now in a moment where you're falling in love with Paris again? Or are you in a moment where you've made peace with Paris? There's a French singer who said, uh, Alain Souchon, in a song he said, people who really love each other, they don't say it to each other. That's good. We are we're a bit of a crazy people, you know. We just, we can be boring, but we can be, we can go crazy. We can end up dancing on the counter, we can have dancing on the table, they happen. French are, have moods. We have moods. Moody fuckers. Yeah, I, I take the company. <laughs> In your Paris, do you live Paris by foot? Yeah, I, yeah. I'm an excellent walker. <laughs> uh, <laughs> when I walk out, I always go, I always, I'm always attracted uh, by the river. I think it's a very instinctive thing. Still, we all have to go or be attracted by the, by, the, by the water. The river is friendly. Mm. So I'd been swept up in this freeform jazz conversation about travel and memories and dancing on counters. I did start to feel like I knew Paris just a little bit. I even wanted to go there. But there was still something kind of stuck in the back of my mind. Do you think it's a good idea to propose to someone in Paris? Um... Three words at the counter. Do it there. Do it when everything's happening around you. Some yelling, some drunk guy. Maybe it could be noisy, whatever. I don't say that it should be exactly this way, obviously, but uh, when, every, when both are at ease at some, at some spot and nothing happens, nothing really special is happening, but you just feel good, just comfortable, and no conversation needed, and then phew, marry me, baby. <laughs> That's the best advice I've heard so far. I wish, I, wish that, I wish her and them the best, obviously. It's what I'm thinking about more and more as I think about this, which is the minute you plan it, the minute you say we have to be at the sunset, at the Pont des Arts, mm -hmm. then, then you're nervous. And yes, there's, true. There's no space. You can plan it. You can plan it to go there, but be ready for something to happen on the way. Magic in life, it's about, it's not about walking to a destination, it's about stopping. So yeah, put down the phone, make plans, and be, be, be open to 
stop on the way. Come over, it's gonna be great. Somehow, getting lost became a constant in making this piece. I got lost in my conversation with Guillaume, and it was wonderful. And then as I started putting together your options for a day in Paris, I got lost constantly, wandering down random streets and alleyways. So, Monica, this is my list of places to miss. These are not the most amazing places necessarily, but they're close to each other, and Parisians recommended them to me. Plan to go there and get lost on the way. There can be rain in October, so ideally save this for a day when you can walk. Wear comfortable shoes and bring a bag to be able to stock up on things as you go. Prepare to be unimpressed, and you might get your mind blown. We're on the left bank of the Seine, the Rive Gauche. Wake up late, take the metro to Saint-Sulpice, or if you're adventurous, as a friend Marie recommended, take a scooter. According to her, it's a great way to see the city. Right outside the metro, there's a cafe, Café du Metro, and on the opposite, there's the Vieux Colombier. There's a table, and you've yet to pretend to be Ernest Hemingway, nab it. If not, forget about it. There's plenty to see. Walk down the Rue de Vieux Colombier, where you walk past shops to the Saint-Sulpice Square, which might have a market on it, depending on the day. And if not, you'll see the ridiculous facade of the Saint-Sulpice Church. There's more cafes on the way. You walk by Chapon Chocolat, which have chocolate that will change your life, apparently. If you've yet to eat, take a left on the Rue de la Seine and head to Maison Moulot, a block up, where you can get some ridiculously good pastries, croissant, bread, you know, the works. And if you're not feeling the pastries, go right instead. And half a block down, you'll find Univers Paris, where you can start day drinking or just grab a snack. Now you should be a little more in your element. It's a nine-minute walk to the Sorbonne, the University of Paris. After all, you met in college. You can walk in, just use your cool, and check out the amphitheater classes that are open, the ridiculously Marie Antoinette-looking library, or sit on a 17th-century bench, which will be uncomfortable. <laughs> but I've been told it's quite a feeling to sit where students have been gossiping for hundreds of years. There's no rush here, so it's worth wandering around. Another 10 minutes away, you'll find the Jardin des Plantes, the plant garden. The entrance is easy to miss, so ask someone. Où est l'entrance à les Jardins des Plantes, s'il vous plaît? Inside, there's a glass house that has amazing tropical plants. The Serre de Forêt Tropicale Humide, because there's nothing sexier than tropical plants. Another 10-minute walk, and you can go to the Sankien Cru, a wine bar that does lunch. Maybe grab a bottle for later, just in case. Now that you've recharged your batteries a bit, take the Boulevard Saint-Germain all the way past the Saint-Germain church. You can maybe pick up some more cheese or a charcuterie on the way, or just check out the shops and head to the Rue Saint-Père, take a right and head towards the river. On the way, you can stop by the house of Serge Gainsbourg, which is now a temple to graffiti that changes constantly. Keep heading to the river and go to the Pont des Arts, the pedestrian bridge on the Seine. Here, you can crack open your wine if you feel, have a break, and watch the people go by. Once you've had a rest, walk along the riverbank to the Ile de la Cité. On the southernmost side of the island, you'll have an amazing view of the city with Notre Dame as a backdrop. And you'll have to forgive me, Neil. But if you guys take the Boulevard du Palais on the island into Neil's section of the city, cross the Pont au Change, past the Place de Châtelet, up the Boulevard Sepastopol, you'll find the Rue des Lombards. Three jazz bars are packed tight in here, including the Duc de Lombard. You can have dinner, watch some jazz, on the very street where Guillaume began his time in Paris, 
You can sit at the counter, forget you have a phone, and when the time is right, and in a French accent, say, Marry me, baby. That was, I'm literally um, wiping tears from my eyes. Oh. It was so good. And I took some notes <laughs> because I wanted to tell you what I loved about it. Oh, that's um, nice. Uh, I loved his reference to Paris being the city of love and hate. Uh, yeah. Because one thing that Rob and I have always said about our relationship and love is that I love him more than anything in the world, but there is nobody in the world who can piss me off faster <laughs> than Rob. <laughs> so we've always joked about that. Like, that's when you know you have, uh, I, actually, I think a good relationship because it means you're close. <laughs> always said at the counter, our bar was such great advice. One of the things I had to cut was this great story that Guillaume told me, which was a night that he had where he met um, this girl for the first time. And again, they couldn't sit at a table. They sat at the counter and he described this kind of Godard Nouvelle Vague movie where he felt like Jean-Paul Belmondo would come in at any moment. And he had this amazing night. They went their separate ways. He went home and then he was like, I've never been able to find that bar again. Oh my God. <laughs> And I was like, how French can you be? <laughs> My God. Uh, you, you have no idea how perfect exploring the college as part of this is. Yeah, it's one of nice. Rob's favorite things to do is explore um, campuses. <laughs> have you guys been talking to each other? Uh, What's going like, <laughs> I've, I've been emailing her. <laughs> Uh, and then proposing in a jazz club. I mean, really, honestly, in the French accent, it's hilarious because <laughs> Rob is really good at doing accents and I am terrible at them. And so he would he would find that hilarious. And I, love, I just loved his advice. of like, just do it when you feel like it's right. And and then I couldn't stop laughing. So I was like, if I turn to him and in a horrible French accent. <laughs> I almost have to hear it, Monica. To marry me. It would be ridiculous. <laughs> there, you get a hint of it. <laughs> you got you to gotta get the baby in there. That's the key. Uh, it's so funny. Yeah, no, I, I, I really liked, I liked the fact that he he stripped away all of the pretense of Paris in that like the the things that you have in your mind. He's like, yeah, just get rid of it. <laughs> just get rid of right. that stuff. It's useless. Right. You're a really nice man. <laughs> and and even though you stepped in my fucking territory a little to. bit, <laughs> I had to because my my jazz area is is not awesome. <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's a there's a tiny little tiny tiny crossover. I was imagining that that was going to happen. What I was worried about it's was minuscule. Okay. I, what I was worried about is that we were going to have basically the same episode on two sides <laughs> of the scene. <laughs> Well, that would make my decision super easy. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> no, it's inter it's interesting actually because there's a lot. I think your personality is definitely in there. Sure. Um, and the context of it is definitely more romantic than mine. <laughs> okay. So yours is probably going to be more useful. But then perhaps. I started to think: is Andres can't be more romantic than me. <laughs> And then, and then you drop the line. There's nothing sexier than tropical plants. <laughs> and I was like, Nope, nope. I'm gonna be okay. <laughs> uh. The rambly nature of of that of that story and of Guillaume, yeah, definitely feels like Paris. That's the thing. Like I was flying blind. So. <laughs> 
You got good advice. Yeah. I love, I love the, you know, the chocolate shop. I'm very excited about that. <laughs> um, it's wonderful. Well, that was intense, but we've got to take a quick break. We'll be back in a minute with the second tale, my tale. I think I've still got it in the bag. See you in a bit. Hi, everyone. Circa is recruiting new concierges. A Circa concierge is a friend to ask anywhere in the world. Real people, on the ground, never bots. If you want to be a concierge for your city, go to circatravel.com to sign up. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Now we need to go to the other side of town. I've been waiting for this for days. No pressure, Neil. I feel I feel good because mine is very different. That's so it should be. It okay. is literally going to be two very different cities. <laughs> okay. Dearest Monica, Oscar Wilde said that when good Americans die, they don't go to heaven. They go to Paris. So welcome to heaven. La Ville Lumière, or the City of Lights, is not only considered the centre of Europe for Europeans, but for many people around the world. It holds the finest art, culture, architecture, wine and food, all things you're incredibly fond of. There's an image that comes with this iconic city too. Cooler than now, Galois smoking, Goddard worshipping, Hepcats, cocktails and cool jazz. Now, I'm no buff when it comes to knowing my bebop from my hard bop. I mean, I know what I like. But my laconic French friend, former Paris resident, jazz fan and double bass player, Mietil Mawa, offered me and you some words of wisdom. Do you ever play jazz as a bass player? Yeah, yeah. There was a place called Odd Club. All right. I was kind of bad. <laughs> Mietil lived for many years in Montmartre, the village-like hilly neighborhood to the north of the city on the same street as one of the nation's national treasures. If they know, it was where Gainsbourg were living, too. Where Serge Gainsbourg? Is that why you lived there? You're like, I'm going to yeah, live I was so proud. I was so proud to be <laughs> in the same path. <laughs> <laughs> Music is never far away in Montmartre. So, if you like to freewheel, improvise, bebop and scat through your plans, Montmartre is the perfect neighborhood for you to find your own groove. It was a village, like, outside of Paris. It's known for its winding, steep, cobbled streets, colourful houses, cafes, and was the quiet inspiration for many, many artists. So, my proposal for your proposal is to go above the city. Because historically, Montmartre was known as the Harlem of Paris. And it didn't get that way by accident. You get a lot of cabaret because they sell like beer, uh, one franc less than inside Paris. So the guys are like, okay, we, we just have to cross the street, we cross the street. Eh? And, it, 
<laughs> it was the same for prostitution. And so you got like all the rich people from Paris that come there to like have some. Domitil thinks cheap drinks in a red light district, which wouldn't break the bank, is the real reason artists move there. The beauty of the place must have had something to do with it. Easels lined the streets, paints splattered the squares. Like Picasso, Miro, and before them Manet, Toulouse-Lautrec, Renoir, and Van Gogh, painters have for a long time made this place their home. Writers, too. Steinbeck, Hemingway, Salinger. Jesus, can you imagine hanging out with those three fucking depressives? <laughs> we need some happy jazz. So wake up, sleepyheads, get ready for some fun, and head to the top of the city by cab or metro. But we're not following the masses to the Sacre Coeur, the giant church which overlooks the city in the center of Montmartre. We're going to start at a beautiful little spot about 200 meters northwest of it. The Hotel Particulaire is a boutique hotel, an old mansion once owned by the fashion-focused Hermes family. With an amazingly Parisian outdoor garden, if you fancy a fueling brunch in a local quiet secret, this is the perfect place. Before 11 a.m. and for about 20 euros, you can fill up on fresh breads, juice, fruit, and eggs, however you like them. Monica, if you want to pop the question early on, you know what to do. A short walk behind that monstrosity of a church and a little down the hill to the east, you'll find another unique place. It's the only remaining vineyard in the city. Clos Montmartre Vineyard. In October, every year, the grapes are harvested over a five-day party in the neighborhood. Apparently half a million people flood the streets to drink a ridiculous amount of wine, eat great food, and listen to swing and jazz pouring out of every cafe in the neighborhood. It's, it's like a big party. It's, it's very cool. You got like some DJs, you got some old people, blah, 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 and, oh, wow. and everybody's drunk. This little vineyard produces about 1,500 bottles of wine, which are around 40 euros, but all of the money goes to neighborhood charities. I think that this year is going to be a big homage about one guy, old gay guy, always dressed in blue, called, called Michou. Michou? always decked out in blue suits, blue hats, blue glasses, sadly passed away this year. Every time you go there, he was in the terrace, like uh, drinking champagne all the time. He and his cabaret club have been a fixture of Paris nightlife for more than 60 years. This year, the wine harvest will be all about the local legend Michou and his beloved fountain of life, champagne. Walking clockwise around Montmartre and through its cobbled streets, you can head down the hill and west towards Pigalle. And this is where jazz came to the City of Lights. The 369th Infantry was an African-American regiment sent from a racially segregated US to fight in the Great War. James Reese Europe, an accomplished ragtime and jazz band leader, is believed to be the first African-American officer to lead troops in a wartime attack ever. He was also the first to do something else. He played the first jazz gig on European soil. According to all reports, it turned France upside down. Now you, you can hear the influence very, very quickly because uh, the music from the 20s in France is like, and yeah. then 20s, everything jazz. Everything changed. 
By the end of the 1920s, Louis Armstrong, Cole Porter, Sidney Bechet were hitting Paris directly from London, and they brought with them Ada, Beatrice, Queen Victoria, Louise, Virginia Smith, who would change Montmartre forever. She was born in West Virginia in 1894. She's better known as Bricktop. She moved into Cabaret in Chicago and New York, but by 1924, she was in Paris, tagging along with Cole Porter, throwing parties where she was hired to teach people the popular dance moves of the time. Soon she was managing the clubs she was performing at. And in 1929, she opened her very own, Shea Bricktop, at 66 Place Pigalle. Just near the Pigalle metro is a Montmartre institution, Bouillon Pigalle. Bouillon means broth or stock. These kinds of restaurants, they used to exist all over the city until the chic bistros and brasseries took over as Paris began to shine. But they're coming back. They do like five entrees, five plates. Yes, steak and fries, stuff like this. But nice. and, they, and they write it on the... On the tablecloth. This is seriously good food at a low cost. And the square the Bouillon Pigalle sits on was once a center of jazz and cabaret. Inside the restaurant, you almost feel like you're eating in the 1920s. With a full belly, a half-hour stroll along the foot of Montmartre to the north seems in order. Behind it, you can visit the Jazz Museum. If that feels a little stuffy, you might be surprised. French jazz musician Alain is the owner of this half-boutique, half-time capsule, and he loves to chat. A jazz freak, if ever there was one. As the sun sets in Paris and you try to escape from Alain and the Jazz Museum, he'll probably tell you to go to one place and one place only. So head back up the hill to Montmartre's most picturesque street, Rue des Arbevoirs. Head for the pink house. You'll see it. And you might also see, if the light is just right, and he's looking pretty good, another perfect opportunity to pop the question. I'll leave that up to you. This tiny cafe has been here since around 1850, apparently. The truth is, nobody really knows. The art history in this place is worth an episode all of its own. Painters, writers, musicians have been coming here since the 1920s, and it has seen every single step of Montmartre's jazzy, artsy history unfold. And with that in mind, to celebrate your new fiancé, Monica, the only place to go is Babillon. Don't worry, it's just around the corner. To end a perfect day, tucked away on Rue Bernier, off the beaten and tourist track, you'll find this tiny, perfect local pub with great cocktails and world jazz most nights in the basement. In Paris, to, to do yeah. music, you have to... It has to be underground. Yeah, because of the sound and the density of population. See, above the city of love and lights, it celebrates the global music influence on and of the great neighborhood, which was once the absolute hub of musicians and artists in Paris. It's truly one of the best parts of the city. I hope you thought so too. They come in the city of love and it's like they, they go back with the disease of love. <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to my invite to the wedding in the mail. Much love. How are you doing?
I'm good. Uh, I'm emotional again. Is <laughs> <laughs> a good sign. <laughs> I just have to say you, you both did such a great job of just like capturing who we are and what we would find interesting about the city. You gave us such great info. I took notes again because I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, this is so great. <laughs> Um, I love that you gave me multiple places yeah. as often. <laughs> yeah. The brunch thing is so sweet and so wonderful. I love off, off the beaten path. Of course, the vineyard, I took multiple notes <laughs> <laughs> because that just sounds like an amazing experience. <laughs> yeah. And then I wrote down cabaret club with like four exclamation points. <laughs> <laughs> and then I wrote down several notes about Shea Bricktop because West Virginia. Oh, of I was course. like, wait, that's where I was born was in West Virginia. <gasps> you did that accidentally. <laughs> I genuinely you did, did that, that accidentally. <laughs> that's insane. <laughs> well, um, incredible woman. There's this amazing story of her kicking John Steinbeck out of her bar, and <laughs> he felt so bad, and she was such a big deal there that the next day a taxi cab arrived out front of the bar filled with red roses. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, it's also, it's like going to two di very different movies. I feel like yours is like Last Tango in Paris. <laughs> Let's just see what happens <laughs> without the sexual assault. Thank and you. Mine is like Amelie. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Leading the Witness. I think, <laughs> I think both agendas have to happen. Oh, like... uh oh. This is what we've got to talk about. I know. Like, Do I really have to pick? That's the hard thing. I, <laughs> I have a feeling like if we come out of here without you picking, we're going to get yelled at. <laughs> I know. Well, okay. So I so I have to pick one, but can I just say that most likely I would want to do all of this? Of course. <laughs> okay. But I have to pick. Hmm. For pros, for Niels, I like that it's really exploring one neighborhood. Yeah. Which is great. And I feel like there's lots of opportunities to just get lost in that one neighborhood. And, and who knows what you'll find around each corner. But there's also destinations. It's really great. You don't have to tell us the it's, bad things. You can just, you can just <laughs> no, do the good actually, thing. I well, feel the hurt. problem is there's no real bad things. There's no bad things. How can I say anything's bad? And then, like... I don't know. I felt such a pull for the 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 sit at the counter and the city of love and hate and and you know and proposing in a jazz club is like the thing, right? Like I feel like that's it. That's kind of us in a nutshell. And I love um, the visual of everything happening around you and you're having this private little moment. Yeah. So <laughs> I think I think I have to go with Dre. Die. <laughs> what do I win? You get to read your saved pins. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, this is actually punishment? Let me tell you, let me tell you the point at which I realized that I had lost. Really? Yeah. You knew already? Yep. How? The line that Guillaume told you about shit and happiness. Yes. And that sometimes they come at the same time. <laughs> And my whole story went through my head. Oh my god, I've I've overplanned everything. I've just everything's overplanned. Yeah, but you you circumnavigated it so well. Getting a character like that to to lay it all out because that's what Paris is about. But anyway, I mean the the thing I came away with was like it the you can't go wrong. You know, that's my takeaway is that there a I don't think there's any wrong place. 
uh, to propose really. And there's no wrong place to, to be, to experience the city. (laughs) Have we helped you relax a little bit more about the trip? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Monica, this has actually been a lot of fun. I was very scared at the beginning. I was scared up until we started recording, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know that I can express enough how wonderful they both were, Um, but just kind of overwhelming. (laughs) It's weird to to go well this person got me <laughs> oh that's really sweet i'm gonna teary teary yeah, right now no, i'm gonna get yeah. <laughs> now oh, we're well. gonna get emotional <laughs> we're pretty easy people to push over the edge of yeah. these days <laughs> it's been a rough year yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah <sighs> thanks monica for your time and for, for reaching yeah, out for reaching out and and oh thank you guys i mean honestly this is this is so wonderful. I don't even, I'm also, I'm at a loss for words, which doesn't happen to me very often. (laughs) (laughs) Other than thank you. So that's it. This week's saved pins are romantic places in my story, read by Neil, the loser. (laughs) Thanks buddy. Nice. Oh, here we go. Number one, Jardin de Plant. This place is huge and can accommodate any and all plant and animal fetishes. Head to the greenhouse there. It has a spectacular collection of tropical plants, a refuge and a very surreal experience to be in Paris, surrounded by the tropics. Number two, Centre Pompidou. At the top of this incredible museum, there is a restaurant, Chez Georges which has one of the most amazing views in Paris. Looking through the modern structures, you'll have a spectacular panoramic of the left bank, overlooking the river with Notre Dame and the Eiffel Tower in the distance. A view Guillaume would certainly approve of. Number three, Chapon Chocolat. Paris is chocolate heaven, so the options are endless. On the Rue des Vieux Colombier, this chocolate shop is a stone's throw away from the Saint-Germain Church, from the Sorbonne, and as we've heard, its chocolate has life-altering qualities. Number four, Saint-Kim Cru, is a small and unassuming wine bar tucked near the river. It has a wide variety of wines in every price range, and is run, we hear, by very nice people. You can eat some cheese, have a meal, sit outside, Karma during the day and rockin' at night. Number five is the pin that Andres broke the rules for. Rue Lombard. A short walk from the Ile de la Cite, this medieval pedestrian street is now dotted with all manner of bars and cocktail joints. The narrower section of the street has three famous jazz bars, giving you a chance to wander and find just the right counter to lean on. If you want to see all the stops from our Paris tales, we'll be posting them on our Facebook page, along with a poll where you can vote for me or Dre. I mean, come on. Follow us there at Passport Podcast. If you have a question for us, maybe you need some advice, maybe you just want to hear us battle it out, email us at hellopassport at frequencymachine.com. If you like this episode or you're just a huge fan of the show in general, remember to head to podcastawards.com to nominate us as your faves. Next Tuesday on Passport, we head to Taipei, Taiwan for a story about vegan food and a cult and a president 
and a musical. We'll see you there. This week's episode of Passport was written and produced by me and Andres Bartos. Huge thanks to Monica for being so up for this and for helping us make the show. Also to Mithil Moa, Guillaume from Indalor, Marie, and the illustrator Lapin. Look for Lapin's beautiful and quirky sketchbook, Paris J'attends, anywhere you get books. Guillaume's band Indalor is about to release a new album, so look for it wherever you get music. We'll have all their details in the show notes if you want to check them out. Our theme music is by Nick Turner with additional stuff by Indolor, Shaolin Dub, Luis and the Nicholas Chantaroli Trio, Giorgio Del Campo, Music Box, and Gabagool. Eliza Engel is our production assistant. The show is mixed and mastered by Julian Kwasniewski. Stacey Book, Dominic Ferrari, and Avi Glijansky are warm, crunchy baguettes with butter and just the right amount of honey. They also executive produce the show which is hosted by myself and a man who has never been to Paris and still managed to win this thing, Andres Bartos. I'll see you in the next place. <laughs> I'll fucking get you next time, bastard. <laughs>